From my quiet and peaceful home in suburban St. Louis County, Missouri, don't call me the city. Yes, the quarantine continues. This is Michael's Insurance Daily, a daily insurance coverage and bad faith podcast put on by me, your host, Michael Young. Uh, hope everyone is doing well, staying uh, safe and healthy out there. Um, haven't done one of these for a while, but I think we're going to do one of those Illinois Land of Lincoln updates. And uh, to bring us into the update, uh, here is my junior associate, Audrey, age seven. It's a 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of goldfish. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Thank you, Audrey. The uh, case that we're going to talk about today comes from the Illinois Court of Appeals from the 1st District. It's the Joseph T. Ryerson and Son, Inc. versus uh, Travelers Matter. I will, as always, put a link to the court opinion in the uh, show notes. Lots going on in this case. It's essentially uh, coming down to whether or not the defendant insured made disparaging comments about the underlying plaintiff and their business operations and, and whether... Obviously, that could meet the personal injury coverage of the uh, liability policy at issue. The court ultimately determined that the allegations in the complaint did not constitute disparagement, and uh, that's an interesting holding of itself, and I encourage you to to read the opinion on that. Maybe I'll cover that in a podcast, uh, but there's so much going on in here besides that holding, and the one I want to focus on is what kind of information in Illinois one can and should consider when determining whether or not the liability company, insurance company has a duty to defend. I think if you ask most Illinois lawyers, most Illinois coverage lawyers, they will tell you that Illinois is a four-corner state. That is, you only look to the allegations in the complaint itself, accept all of those as true, and try to see if the uh, complaint alleges a claim that could fall within the scope of the liability policy. But there is this sort of interesting doctrine that's been kicking around for a little bit where in some instances, uh, perhaps you can consider extrinsic evidence. That is evidence or information outside of the four corners of the complaint to determine whether or not there's a duty to defend. And you have, you know, it's sort of a confusing doctrine. It's, I think it's, it's sort of developing and it's hard to get your hands on exactly when you can or cannot look at that extrinsic evidence, you know, one of the doctrines that's developing is perhaps you can do that if it does not go to an ultimate fact in the underlying case. And there's always discussion about what an, uh, not, not a, a ultimate fact, pardon me, in the underlying case and whether or not a particular issue is an ultimate fact. Uh, this case, though, uh, the insured encouraged the appellate court to look outside the complaint to try to say that the liability carrier had a duty to defend and encouraged the court actually to look at some deposition testimony and some statements made in, in, in depots in the case to try to say that the insurance company had a, a duty to defend. The insurance company responded that it would be inappropriate, the appellate court said, to rely on these statements in the depositions because they were outside of the underlying complaint. And here is what the uh, first district appellate court had to say about that. Quote, we agree. We acknowledge Ryerson's, that's the insured's argument, that a court may under certain circumstances look beyond the allegations of the underlying complaint to determine 
whether an insurer has a duty to defend. A court is not required to wear judicial blinders and may look beyond the complaint at other evidence appropriate to a motion for summary judgment. However, while a court is permitted to consider information outside the complaint when determining a duty to defend, doing so remains an exception to the general rule that the duty to defend is determined from the factual allegations of an underlying complaint, end quote. And then the appellate court goes on and says that they don't need to do it in addition to that because the underlying trial court obviously did not consider extrinsic evidence on this duty to defend issue. So I don't know if the case necessarily uh, provides any new rules or standards for when extrinsic evidence potentially could be uh, considered for the duty to defend, other than it says that doing so is an exception to the general rule. So I would throw this case on the pile uh, that indicates that when you want to consider extrinsic evidence, that that is a pretty fairly rare occurrence. And it is not something to be taken lightly, and that Illinois is still probably one of those four corner states uh, with uh, an exception uh, that we're still trying to get our hands around what apply, but it's still just an exception, not the general rule. Um, some other interesting stuff on here on Pepper's Council. Obviously, I mentioned earlier the disparagement holding. A lot of interesting little things in here. If you're interested in Illinois coverage law, I highly encourage you to read this opinion. Um, I'll be posting about it on LinkedIn, too, different aspects of it. Uh, I will uh, put a link to this case in the show notes so that you can take a look. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you were to subscribe and also share this uh, podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you want to learn more about me, Michael Young, just uh, go to my website, michaelyoungstl.com. That's michaelyoungstl.com. You can find my articles, blog posts, uh, links to my LinkedIn, Twitter, email, all that good stuff. As always, you have to remember that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Have a great day.